the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at Let's Talk Faith.com. A service of the Salem Media. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Rotten words are just so common in our society that we're, we don't seem to be shocked by it anymore, but we get influenced by it. And even if we don't say it, it still is in our minds. And this is why the Bible says that we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. If you don't counteract foul language that you hear by, by cleansing your minds with the word of God, then you're very li- it's very likely that those words are going to filter through and come out. Maybe you have been in a situation where shall we say, rotten language was all around you, and afterwards you felt like you needed something to cleanse your mind of what you heard. Well, Pastor Steve is going to address that today on our verse-by-verse radio program. However, he is also going to challenge us about our own choice of words and how we speak. I think this will be a challenging message for us to hear, but also one that will help us to be sure that what we say is honoring to God. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. We're going to jump in now and see what Pastor Steve has for us today from the Bible. When you want to prove the depravity of man, the sinfulness of man, just say, look at what he says. said the tongues are like poison, like a snake. In fact, I understand in South America there's a snake that's called the two-step snake. Not that the snake takes two steps. It bites you and you take two steps and that's it. Life has ended for you. Because when it bites you, you just take two steps and die. Its venom swiftly paralyzes your heart. See, that's, that's the way the tongue is. The tongue can destroy and paralyze. It can move so swiftly and kill a relationship just like that. Poisons minds, it destroys faith, it, it ruins a reputation. Tongue reveals our sinfulness. But you see, when a person becomes a believer in Christ things become different. Then his his speech is used to glorify the Lord. In fact, Paul says this in Romans 15, verse 6, the same book that he said that that their tongues are like snakes. In Romans 15, verse 6, he said this, that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. After you're redeemed, after you're new, after you're saved, after you're justified, then your mouth is used to bring glory to God, not poison other people. So the old man speaks old, rotten, useless words, and we're told not to do that. Now, why do we need to be reminded of this so often? Because we live in a society, we live in a culture that basically has foul language. 
We rub shoulders with people who curse, who swear, who take the Lord's name in vain, who put down other people, who slander, who criticize, who gossip, and we're influenced by them. In fact, words on television that wouldn't be said a few years back are, are said now with no seemingly remorse. Rotten words about sacred truths like hell and damnation are used on television just like that. Our society makes fun of the sacredness of marriage. They don't even have to curse. They just have to make fun of sacred things. Johnny Carson has made thousands of people laugh over his divorce with his wife. That's just corrupt, putrid, rotten speech. Comedians joke about sex and unfaithfulness, things that are so devastating to families, and yet they joke about it, they make millions of dollars over it, and society loves it and and will pay a fortune because they want to hear that kind of stuff. Rotten words are just so common in our society that we don't seem to be shocked by it anymore, but we get influenced by it, and even if we don't say it, it still is in our minds, and this is why the Bible says that we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. If you don't counteract foul language that you hear by, by cleansing your minds with the word of God, then you're very li- it's very likely that those words are going to filter through and come out. And this is, this is some of the struggles that I face when I go down to Miami and are with that crowd of people who uh, use filthy, foul, rotten, putrid language. And I, and I find myself not saying those things, but I find myself having that in my mind and just being there. Uh, many times as I have gone to sleep in Miami, I've, I've had to open my Bible just to clean myself just to spiritually get some cleansing and, and let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. But all of us struggle with those things. You just have to walk out these doors and, and we hear that kind of stuff. The world talks this way because that's what's in their hearts and we shouldn't expect anything different from them. Jesus didn't. He said, you're just revealing what's really there. But that's not the way any of us should talk. And we need to be careful. Maybe you say, I wouldn't speak vulgarity. I wouldn't, I wouldn't curse. Uh, some Christians do, and if any here do, you ought to put a stop to it immediately. But most of us, I suspect, wouldn't be vulgar or speak any cursings. But what about dirty jokes? Christians tell dirty jokes, and they ought not to. How about uh, play on words, double meanings, sexual connotations in, in jokes? Or even, I'll, I'll tell you a pet peeve with me, and that's ethnic jokes. You say, oh, he's just sensitive because he's Jewish. I don't think so. I don't think that's the reason. I trust not. I just don't think that it's fitting for Christians to speak about people from Poland like that. And you may laugh and say, uh, oh, that's just being overly sensitive. I don't think so. I don't think it's, it's proper for us to speak about any racial group, to put them down, any ethnic group, uh, and speak of them in any derogatory sense. That may not be cursing, but it's, it's worthless words. It's a put down. I was thinking about this this week, and I... It almost seems funny to say, but you know that the Lord Jesus wouldn't speak like that. Could you, could you possibly imagine him gathering his men around and say, listen, fellas, did you hear the one about the Samaritan who did such and such? You know he wouldn't speak like that. Or, or listen, how many Gentiles would it take to do this? You know the Lord would never speak like that. And that's the final rule for all of us. If he wouldn't speak like that, we shouldn't either. You say, well, it's harmless. I don't know if it's harmless. I'm not so sure that it's harmless. And even if it is, it's worthless. Anytime we put down anybody, it's worthless. It doesn't come from the new man. 
And I'll tell you something we're all guilty of in the sense of worthless speech. And I'm, I'm guilty of this more than anyone here. And that's speaking too much about ourselves. That's the reason we're always interrupting each other. You know, that's why I mentioned this morning, little children always interrupt. That's because all they have on their minds is themselves. As they grow, they learn, they learn responsibility. They learn to be polite. They learn to share. But that's why children are always interrupting because they, they think about themselves. And that's why we interrupt. We want to show everyone else how we can top what was just said. I mean, someone says something and, and in our hearts, oh, if you think that's good, let me tell you this. And I've got one better for you. We want to, we want to get the spotlight. We want to steal the show. We want to be in charge. And it's all self-centeredness. That's all it is, is just a manifestation of self. We love to talk about ourselves. That's unwholesome words. The old man speaks about themselves. That's all they have to speak about is themselves. They're not interested in anyone else, but we're to be different. Now, why shouldn't rotten words proceed from our mouths? Not only is it inconsistent with the new man, but it harms others. It really does. It's, it affects others in a negative way. And that's the major concern of Paul, or at least one of the concerns, as he's spoken about, about uh, in verse 25, when he speaks about, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. Why? We're members of one another. He's speaking about, don't think about yourself only, but, but speak so that you minister to others. When he speaks about being angry, he, uh, he's speaking about, don't let the devil have an opportunity. Why? To get in and, and give bitterness to you and harm others. When he speaks about stealing, he says, don't steal. Why? Why are you to work? So you can share with others. See, there's always others in mind. And so we need to keep this, keep this in our minds when we speak about wholesome words and unwholesome words. We're speaking out of the motivation of we shouldn't harm others. You see, words we speak and criticize others, they spread malicious rumors, they kill a person's reputation, they offend people, they destroy Christian testimonies, they teach false doctrine, we can verbally abuse a child, we may not physically abuse them, but how many parents have verbally abused their children? We can destroy marriages, and we can even split an entire church with just the words that we say. So, if no corrupt word should proceed out of our mouths, what should proceed out of our mouths? He says, Paul goes on to say, but only such a word as is good for edification. What does that mean? Edification simply means to build up, to strengthen, to encourage. In other words, the old man speaks words that tear down and destroy people. The new man speaks words that builds people up and strengthens them. We're to speak good words that will encourage people. You know, when, they're to, when they leave us, when they leave our presence, they're to be spiritually uh, stronger than when they first started talking to you. People ought to go away from us strengthened in the Lord. Have you ever spoken to a, a person, you go away, and you say, my, that was encouraging. It was just the right word I needed. There was, it was just edifying. Well, God says that's not just reserved for choice servants. That's not just for... for um, strong men and women of God. All of us are to be like that. We ought to speak words that are spiritually encouraging, positive words. I remember when I was a student at Moody, I uh, had this habit of putting people down. And I had a mature friend who took me aside and said, Steve, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't belittle yourself. Don't put others down. Grow up. When you speak to people, encourage them. Say something complimentary. Say something positive. I've never forgotten that. I haven't always followed that, but I've never forgotten what he said. Do your words build others up? 
you mothers who spend your time with your children during the day, do you edify them by your words? Do you encourage them? And you fathers, when you spend time with your wives, when you spend time with your children, is it, is it strengthening the words that come from you, or is it only put down? Is it only something that, that they've done wrong, or only negative words, or only words that are cutting? So well, how do I know the right words to speak? How do I know what words ought to come forth? Do I just give a sermon? Do I, do I just pull out some positive words that I say to everybody? No, in fact, that's just the opposite of what we're ought to, we ought to do. Look at the next phrase. According to the need of the moment. My, that, that really gives us direction. The King James Version isn't really clear on the aspect of this aspect of the verse. The Greek literally says edification of the need or the necessity. Edification of the need, which means speak edifying words that fit the occasion. You know what that means? It means when you speak to a person, use words that edify that person by meeting his or her specific need at the moment. And the only way we're going to strengthen one another and edify one another by our words is to be sensitive to the needs of those around us. You, you can't just give pat answers. You can't just pull out sermon number 53 and say, oh, here it is, and just spout off a bunch of Christian cliches. We have to use the right words and we have to know where people are at in order to speak sensitively to them. Folks, that means that we just can't parrot out answers anymore. We've got to know where people are coming from. We've got to listen to them. We're so quick to speak first. We've got to listen and and discern where they're coming from. And then you'll know God will give you the direction of edification. I mean, if somebody is is brokenhearted, you speak differently to them than somebody who is in a different situation. And by the way, this doesn't mean that you can't rebuke somebody. Sometimes the best thing, the most edifying thing for them is to rebuke them. That doesn't mean that you just uh, uh, say sweet words to them. It may be that you may have to reprove them. Faithful in the wounds of a friend, that, that is done out of love. But what we're saying here is that we need to discover the need of the person and gear our words so that they'll be appropriate and they'll be fitting. That takes some time. That takes interest in people. That means we've, we've got to take the time to listen to them. You know, Paul knew his, his audience, and we need also, whether you're speaking to one person or to, to 400 people. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1, he says, look, I, I couldn't speak to you like spiritual people. I had to speak to you like babes, because you're babes in Christ. I couldn't give you meat. I had to give you milk. Paul understood what he was doing. He understood this very concept, uh, and, and he didn't just preach it. He practiced what he preached. He fit his words to, to be appropriate for them. So we've seen the wrong use of speech. Don't let corrupt words proceed from your mouth. The right use of speech, edifying words, words that, that are, that are uh, strengthening to people, words that are, that are geared to, to meet their specific need. But let's look at the reasons for the right speech. What are the reasons? Well, if you take the very next phrase, you'll see one reason on a human level that it may give grace to those who hear. Why do we speak the right words? So it may minister grace to those who hear. What does that mean? Our words ought to bless people. Our words ought to be beneficial. The old man harms people by his words. The new man not only builds them up and strengthens them, but the end result is that he helps people. He benefits them. 
Jesus did in Luke 4.22. The Bible says this, And they were all speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. Even when he was a young boy, speaking gracious words that were beneficial to the hearers. Proverbs 15.23 says this, How delightful is a timely word. Let your speech always be, be seasoned with salt. You know, salt retards corruption. That's the words of the new man. We are, our words are to retard corruption in society. We're the salt of the earth. Words from the old man are corrupting. And maybe, just maybe there's a sense in which Paul is speaking of grace here in the sense of grace is undeserved favor. Maybe you've got people who don't speak nicely to you. And you, and you think, why should I speak nicely to them? I mean, they don't deserve it. That's, that's the point. They don't deserve it. Minister grace to them. Minister what undeserved favor is all about. And maybe that's what Paul means here. When somebody has a need that they don't, they don't really deserve to have uh, be ministered unto, you minister to them anyway by your edifying, strengthening words. And when you do that, you're ministering grace to them. But there's another reason that our words are to be wholesome, edifying words. And that's in verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I think this is connected with the verse just before it because of that word, end. I think that that's what he means. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by your unwholesome words, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, when our words are corrupt, you know who really gets hurt? Not just people, though that's true. But the Holy Spirit is grieved. The word grieve means saddened, sorrowful. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person. And he's grieved. He's saddened. It pains him to hear us speak unwholesome words. And if it doesn't matter to you about how you affect other people, just realize that you affect God when you speak unwholesome words. In fact, he's grieved when we exhibit any sin. But I think especially our words because he's concerned about words and because he speaks as well. He is the Holy Spirit of God and he speaks holy words. In fact, this is the holy word of God, the sacred Scripture, the moment we were saved, the Spirit of God sealed us. He put a seal on us that said we were authentic, we were genuine Christians, and that we belong to the Lord and that we're secure in Him. We studied that back in Ephesians 1.13. And now the point that Paul is making is this. Since God has been so gracious in your life and in my life to give you eternal salvation, which is so secure, it's until the day of redemption, until the day we get a new redeemed body, then how can you grieve him by sinning? That's his point. If he's done this for you and has given you such a secure salvation that can't be taken away from you, how can you sin against him by your words? You see, it's a rhetorical question. Well, I can't. Is the response of the new man. I won't. I don't want to. When you and I speak rotten, useless words, it doesn't only hurt people. It really hurts the Lord. Not only in the sense of of our testimonies, but the Lord is saddened to hear that kind of word proceed from a Christian's mouth. The Lord's been working in our midst. He really has. I'm, I'm really proud of you because I, I see your response to the word. When people ask me, uh, how are things going at Lakeside? Most of the time when I write letters back, I'll say, the, the congregation is so responsive to the word. And I've seen your responsiveness as we've been studying the walk of the new man. I've seen a, a new conscientiousness about telling the truth. I hear people being very careful about what they, what they say concerning their integrity. 
I see us concerned about holy anger. After I spoke on that, a young man came up to me and was asking me questions about that. I see they're, they're moving by the Spirit of God in our midst to, to have our behavior conform to the Word of God. I see a sensitivity all around me, uh, those of you who are sharing materially, your material blessings with others, and, and uh, so many who are not even noticed by people. They just do it very quietly, share out of their possessions and finances, and it's just a joy to, to shepherd a flock like this. Now what we have to do, and this is very simply the message and the application for us and the command of the Word of God, now we've got to work on speaking kindly to one another, graciously, positively, no put-downs, no backbiting, no gossip, no criticizing, Speaking with love, speaking wholesome words, speaking words that edify, speaking words that minister, speaking words that strengthen, speaking words that, that are, are used by the Lord to meet our needs. And that means we've got to be under the control of the Spirit of God. That means we've got to be under His control. In fact, the Bible says no man can tame the tongue. James says that we can tame beasts. It's incredible what we've done with animals. I mean, there's there's the uh, what is it, uh, Shamu, who can play basketball or something like that. I mean, there there are bears who can dance in circuses. There are dogs who can uh, bark out words. It seems there are there are horses horses who can can uh, can make uh, count with their hoofs. And we can tame all kinds of animals. No man can tame the tongue. You know why? Only the spirit of God can. And the question is, are you controlled by the spirit of God? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you're controlled by the Spirit of God and you're, you're letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, then rich, wholesome words are going to come out. If not, if you're not spending time in the Bible, if you're not submissive to the Word of the Lord, then unwholesome words are going to come out. Let's work on that. Do you realize what, what our community would think and those around us? We spoke about by this shall all men know that you are my disciples by your love. Do you realize that that's a concrete way of showing love? Do you realize what those around us would, would think if we spoke to one another like the Lord wants us to speak to one another? They'd say, my, how they, how they love one another, how they're so different. You see, the world is used to every, everything being a put-down, everything being sarcastic and cynical. That's not the way we're to be. We're to be different. And we, we all talk so much, one-fifth one of our lives. Let's make sure that that one-fifth of our lives reflects the new man. Let's bow for prayer. If you've never received the Lord as your Savior, you can't really start to work on, on new man behavior. You first have to become a new man or a new woman in Christ simply by faith in what the Lord has done for you. The Lord Jesus has died for your sins. You trust Him. You trust Him alone. That's all it takes. For those of us who have received Christ, what are you going to do about this? This is a truth that we're confronted with this is a convicting message. It's convicting to me. I've had to live with it all week. What are you going to do about it? Why don't you ask the Lord to help you in your speech? No man can tame the tongue. Only the Spirit of God can. Why don't you ask him to? Make a conscious effort to allow the Lord to, to help you in this area. And let's see all of us speak not just nice things, but wholesome things that are geared to ministry and edifying. Father, thank you that your word is, is so holy. Your word is edifying. In fact, that's Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 about why preaching is so important. Preaching edifies because it's truth from you. Help us, Lord, to remember that, to speak wholesome words, 
not rotten, putrid, worthless, aimless, useless, waste of time type words. Help us to speak words that edify, that build up. Lord, help me to be sensitive in my own life in this. Help me to take the time to listen to others so that I'll know how to answer them and not to be so quick to just give my opinion. Pray for all of us that we might be very conscious of those around us, that we might minister grace to their hearts and that we might not grieve the Holy Spirit of God who's most concerned about our speech. For this we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We have been confronted with convicting truth today. Did you feel a little uncomfortable as you listened to today's verse-by-verse program? You know, sometimes we need to be hit with some uncomfortableness before we change our way of thinking and thus our behavior. And that has been the underlying theme in this series, The Walk of the New Man. We can want to change our behavior, but until we change our way of thinking, we are not going to change. No matter where we are in our Christian walk, we can always stop and ask God to help us with our speech. Let me encourage you to do that. Pastor Steve will be ready to teach us again on the next Verse by Verse radio program, and I hope you plan to join us at that time. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.